Mr. Marty Kelleher, uh, Mary Heaney, Catherine Heaney, and Adam Lowe. Good evening, everyone. Uh, as Suniva mentioned, I'm Margaret Kelleher. I have the great honour of being chair of the board. I'm here at the IFI and a member of the School of English in UCD in my day job. Uh, it's a particular delight to be chairing this conversation. We have about 15 or 20 minutes um, after a very special film. And I think a moment in which we're kind of seeking to get our hearts back, I think, <laughs> um, after its watching. So we've agreed I'm going to direct a couple of the first questions to Adam uh, about the film before I invite uh, Mary and, and Catherine to speak. And Adam, could you begin by telling us a little about the genesis of the film? Absolutely. Um, I'd just like to say first, thank you all for coming. And oh what a uh, delight it is for us to be here in uh, Dublin. Um, when you begin a project like this, you can't quite imagine it's ever going to end up on a big screen like this, and it's great for us to be able to see it as well. Um, but it's very important to be here. Um, as you can probably tell, I'm not Irish. And um, so it's been a great privilege and a great pleasure to be able to make this film. So I just want to start that way. Um, and the wonderful thing about it really was that it wasn't, it was an idea that came from Ireland. So my colleagues, Michael Hewitt and Dermot Lavery from double band films in Belfast, took the idea to the BBC um, in Belfast and in London, where I live, um, and they proposed a film about Seamus, who would have been 80 this year. There hadn't been a film made about him since before he died. Um, and Mike, Martin Rosenbaum, who I work with, uh, we have a company called Lone Star in London, um, the BBC got onto us because I guess I've made a number of films about writers, and I'd very particularly just recently then made a film about W.H. Auden, um, and so in their minds it might have, it, it seemed like a good marriage, which is what it has been. It's been delightful and uh, greatly enjoyable, and I think important because I'm not Irish, and I'm certainly not from Northern Ireland, and the complexity of this period and the politics of it, um, you know, are, are very important to understand and to get right. And I think there were other people in Belfast. There's a wonderful film editor, um, film researcher. Um, there's a wonderful film editor who cut this film. She's in London, um, in Belfast, who knows the archive there tremendously well and was very, very... Um, specific, we were about what we needed and found, I thought, extraordinary imagery because, you know, the troubles is such a difficult subject and you can become immune to that material so easily. Um, so I think this extraordinary combination of the period and the poetry is really what we wanted to achieve and I, I hope the film does that. Um, then, of course, that was just the origin of it. So it's all very well to say, we'd like to make a film about Seamus Heaney. That's not going to be possible unless certain people 
um, agree and think it's a good idea. And so we approached the family. Catherine and I met through a close friend in London at Faber and Faber, Seamus's publishers, and we got along. And I told her what we'd like to do. And she'd seen the film about Auden, which she'd liked. And then we organised for all of us, um, our colleagues from Belfast and Martin and I, and a very good friend of the family called Neil Martin, who's a musician who you may know of, who's great, um, to have lunch here in Dublin with um, Catherine and her brothers who were here, Michael and Christopher. And we had a great lunch where we didn't really talk about the film that much. We just sort of chatted. It was a bit like um, parents before a wedding. To elaborate. Introducing your people to our people. Yeah. So that, that, and, you know, I sat next to Murray and we hadn't met before and we got on, not as well as she got along with Seamus at that first meeting at Queen's, but nevertheless, we got on very, very well. And, um, and it just has been a great pleasure from that point onwards, really. Uh, as we were leaving our seats, Murray, I, I heard you say it gets better. <laughs> and I, I wonder if you could tell us a little of, of, I suppose, what stands out for you, because there would have been so many ways of, of, of writing and scripting and telling the story of Seamus. So what perhaps stands out for you? Let me count the ways. <laughs> uh, it, uh, well, let me just say that the reason I agreed, having seen the Auden picture, was the Auden uh, documentary, was that it, the poetry was the main thing about it. And that was what I was adamant about, that it had to be about his work as a poet and not just him as a personality. What stands out for me, and this is the third time I've seen it, it, you have to brace yourself each time. And I have to say, Adam and Martin, it, it gets better. I find new, more things each time. It is, of course, the life I lived with them for 50 years, so it had to be pointed out to me, I really am obtuse, that it was a love story as well. <laughs> you know, I'm watching it this time, I'm very aware that it was. And that I find extremely moving and uh, fantastic. And uh, I, But the other things I loved was to see uh, where Seamus came from and how he never changed. You know, he, nothing, he was very steadfast. He knew who he was from the start. And people used to say he's very humble. He wasn't humble. He was unassuming, but he, he knew how good he was. And uh, <laughs> you know, he kept on like that. And he was, a, he was a brilliant husband. And he was a wonderful father to Catherine and the, the two boys. And uh, so I, I have found the film uh, revelatory in many ways. Uh, because it sums up so much. I also... I'm, again, appalled at the Troubles and realised we must never forget or let anything stand in the way or start that whole business over again, you know. And it was so difficult for everybody concerned to be honest and not to be a propagandist. And so those are the two things that, uh, well, the three things. Everything strikes me, but it's very striking, uh, the the whole segment about the troubles, you know. And the moment indeed in his Nobel Prize where he uses the moment uh, and that visibility, um, you know, to again shine the light really on, on the peace process. He did, yeah. yeah. 
Catherine, could I direct the same question to you about the film? What, what stands out to you in, in, in the watching? Um, well, I mean, obviously, all, I would echo all of what Mum has said. Um, but one of the really striking things to me was, and it's really hats off to, to Adam and Martin, was my uncle's involvement. Um, my uncles are men of a certain generation and are quite reticent. Um, so when... Uh, when the filmmaker said they wanted to, to meet the rest of the family, I said, well, I can put you in touch. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, fair. you know, why should my uncles feel that they need to speak? But what was, was wonderful was how well they got along with you and um, another sort of grand love affair. <laughs> and... Um, so I think their involvement was amazing. And I think it's particularly poignant, obviously, when you hear them speaking about something like the death of their brother Christopher, which so many people are familiar with because of the poem Midterm Break, which is one of Dad's, you know, most beloved poems um, in all its devastating power. But... Uh, but hearing them speak about it, just you realise this was something that happened to a whole family. And it didn't just happen to one person. It's not just something from a poem. This was a real lived event for all of them. Um, and yet you can see the pride they take in, in how Dad took that and, and put it into the poem. And also in, in poems like um, Moss Born Sunlight, you know, and, and hearing them talk about Aunt Mary. Yeah. Um, so that, that and the four-letter words. The four-letter <laughs> word, exactly. Um, so I found that aspect of it uh, very moving. Yeah. I, I was also struck by a comment you make in the film uh, about your dad's journalism, and I have to say that was a revelation to me. Just his ease with the camera, my goodness, yeah. um, and his just kind of innate ability to communicate. Uh, absolutely, and I think. You know, we sort of remember him, tend to remember him in later years where he was, you know, Yeats is whatever, 60-year-old smiling public man. But particularly when we moved to Wicklow, he had given up his lectureship at Queen's and Mum stepped in uh, into the breach. But So he was doing a lot of, you know, freelance work to pay the bills and he presented an RTE books programme on the radio every week. Um, and made a lot of films with David Hammond, his friend, who you see at one point and who you hear singing. Um, so, so yes, uh, I, but he was a total natural, completely. Uh, and Mari, a, another, I think, very striking detail is the, the, the role to the US of A, and again, I suppose, a sense of what, you know, everyone's world, including those wonderful American writers, how, how their world would have been different without Seamus's time there. Again, I hadn't realised it was that long, kind of two decades of, of long periods of time there. Yes, it was. <coughs> he, he, he was there for the almost 20 years, and it was very nice to see those, uh, uh, you know, black poet and American poets talking and how what he was doing appealed to them. Mm -hmm. And he, we, we had great friends. We, the first time we went to America was California in 1970. Uh, well, yeah, 70, 71. And at that stage, I remember now all the poets there were making a huge fuss about fossil fuel. And they were 
treated as cracks mm -hmm. when I think about it now. Mm -hmm. But anyway, when he went then to Harvard, he, uh, he, he did one semester. He was there for about uh, four months every year, but that gave him eight months at home in the autumn uh, to write, uh, to do poetry and mm -hmm. do what he had to do. And he did, he did have a bit, I mean, it, as I say, it was slightly revelatory to me too, mm -hmm. just what an effect he had. It was when he died that I realised fully what, how, what, how, how the, the global reach he had. Because I remember someone sending it to me, the New York Times, what they, they say above the fold, and right down the centre was the obituary to Seamus, which was extraordinary. He wouldn't have believed it, and I hardly did, except there it was. So, yes, he was, he was a very unassuming man. You see, and he did it by being himself steadfastly throughout. Adam, could we bring you in on that, on the, the choices that you made and, and, and some of the marvellous footage that you seem to have found yeah, along the yeah, way? Could you tell yeah. us a bit about those discoveries? Well, well, I think it's great that it was a BBC film, you see, because then we could have access to the BBC archive, and I had no idea <laughs> that there were these um, early programmes that Seamus had done. Um, and they were amazingly interesting. And to write about Kavanaugh, like say he's talking about himself, mm -hmm. to write about Wordsworth, it was extraordinary that we could use that with that sonnet that Murray could read. You know, the things that were happening that gave the film all this very dense texture um, were extraordinary. Um, so, you know, and then of course he's on film, and so often, I mean, I made a film about T.S. Eliot where there's about two seconds of T.S. Eliot on film, you know, to, to be able to see him. And of course, it's um, the case that there are lots and lots of interviews with Seamus, but you don't really hear him in interview in this film. You hear him through his poems. You see him, but you hear him. And we were also very lucky that he'd recorded almost all his poems for RTE here. And so we could cross from people reading um, to him. Now, I should just say briefly that I met Seamus, talking of T.S. Eliot, when we made this film about T.S. Eliot. He was a huge admirer of Eliot, and Martin and I flew over here to Dublin, went to Strand Road, and spent the day with Seamus. Um, and he was, of course, tremendously interesting about Eliot, and he read from the wasteland very beautifully, and he's in the film. Um, but I think that was very, very important, because I had no idea this was in 2009. I mean, I had no idea you know, that we'd make this film, or indeed, that, of course, that he wouldn't be here. Um, and um, so, but then it was crucial, I think, to the nature of the film that Martin and I had met him, because it almost gave us license to make a much more personal film than we would otherwise have done. So, you know, but, you know, quite frankly, as soon as you meet these, these people, and as soon as you meet the brothers, you can't, you don't really want to, to talk to that many other people. You want to talk to them because they're the people who can tell you the most. And I think the other thing about it to go on with them is that we, he writes so exquisitely about the ordinary. He writes extraordinary poems about ordinary things. So peeling potatoes with your mother, you know, this becomes this unbelievably beautiful lyric poem. So I think that is, important and the place you know we were we had a screening in Balahi last week and 
the brothers were, I think, virtually every surviving Heaney was in the audience. Anyway, but it was great to be there because that sacred ground, you know, it really, really is. And it's a very ordinary place, not to disparage it, but Blahi is not, you know, Donegal. And, um, but it's so um, powerful because of the, what he wrote about it. And that's an extraordinary thing, I think. Catherine, I did want to ask you about this, the screening um, in the home place, but perhaps before that, you might let, tell us a little about the family members here this evening, because I think we have oh, well, a, a number of generations. We do, and I was going to say, um, the home place was very special seeing it with that generation, but t- here today, my three nieces, my father's granddaughters, are here, so that's very important, and also my brothers, who probably should be up here too, but we might be a bit like the UN. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and their other halves. And also some of my mum's siblings and some cousins. So I'd say a good 10% of the audience is at home, Greg. But, um, and Balahi? Balahi was very special. Um, the home place, for anyone who doesn't know, is this wonderful centre that opened in 2016. So you know, since Dad's death, and that was also quite a big moment because, as Adam said, Balahi isn't the centre of the universe, let's say, and so putting this thing, building this building there was um, an important moment, and it's really succeeded and done brilliantly, so having the screening there with all of the, my uncles and tons of cousins, it, it was a really special moment, and this is right in the heartland of where so much of this poetry is written about. So, you know, you step out the door and you're into that main street that we saw a few shots of. Um, and it's interesting, you know, also I think there was a different sort of energy in that room watching it and um, just seeing what people pick up on. And I'm sure it was very, you know, I'm sure it was a very moving and And family losses, indeed. The, yes, exactly. The footage of, of your cousin's funeral is, uh, is heart-stopping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I just wanted to say um, because I find the music in this incredibly powerful Um, and Adam and I think Joanna the editor had this brilliant idea of taking a lot of it from Dad's Desert Island Discs, the BBC Radio 4 programme, so um, including music by Liam O'Flynn, his great friend. So, you know, his his imprint is on it in that way as well, which I think is Okay. Uh, just in, in the last few minutes, I, d- I did want to come back to the poetry and particularly in conversation with you, Mari. Um, for me, one of the most beautiful moments, and in many ways it's a very simple moment in the film, is when the volumes are layered, one art or another. And I'm, I'm just conscious of so many people in the room would remember the excitement of that, you know, the dynamism of electric light, the, the mischief of seeing things, the relief of, of human chain, you know, of, of those volumes coming. And I think for so many people here this evening, people have their own memories of, of, of volumes and, uh, and different forms of attachment. But you were the first reader, Mari. You might tell us a little about that. I was the first reader because I was the one who was there. I wasn't exactly sought out, you know, but he would be upstairs writing, and when he came down, he was anxious to show it. And uh, if I didn't... I did... English was my subject, so I sort of did know what I was talking about, but not at the level of some of the critics that he had, like Helen Vendor and company. But uh, he said something to me that I have treasured. Uh, He said, what you do 
is you put a poem between your teeth as if it were a coin to see if it's the real thing. And I thought, that'll do, that'll do. And since he did think that, if I didn't show instant enthusiasm, I said of the thing, what do you find wrong with it? Mm -hmm. I have to say, uh, you know, it was amazing. But it is also, it, it's a difficult thing to be in because, and Seamus famously, as you've just said, changed from mm. volume to volume. Mm. He did, it, it was in different parts of his mm. whole thing. And so I would be knowing what had gone before and that's what I was familiar with and that's what I liked. And innovation uh, is quite hard to take, you know, so I had to be very careful uh, because he was moving on and I, would have taken a little while later to appreciate how much he had moved on. It's been great in, in recent years to see your family's you know, pleasure in the exhibition um, in Bank of Ireland and warmly it's recommend wonderful. if anyone hasn't been there because you see so much of, of, of what we've been discussing um, this evening. But I suppose a, a final image I just wanted to conjure is voices, that decision, Adam, you made to interweave the voices. Mm. It's so powerful. Could you tell us a little about that? It's terrific. Um, well, I was I was determined that sorry that, that people should read. Um, so often I find myself when I watch a film like this on television, and I mean I love actors, don't get me wrong, but um, you know that there's a sort of disembodied actor's voice, and it it might read the poem beautifully, but it doesn't invest it with the kind of emotion that I think people reading them of the of the of the kind that we've we've got in the film. Um, does and so that was the sort of start of it and then I knew about the recordings and putting them together was just a bit of a no-brainer really that seemed to just be tremendously powerful that the tension um, and a way of bringing Seamus into the film very very powerfully um, but um, you know to, to listen to people reading not just love poems but all sorts of poems that are written for them. Catherine read a, a, a tasteful stick for Catherine Ann, but you can't have everything in the film, you know. <laughs> Hugh read Follower, you know, there were lots that I'd love to be there, um, but because it, I just can't get enough of it, really. Um, and I think from the beginning it was clear that the poems could tell the story. I think that was the fundamental thing, that there was going to be this narrative, and you could follow it from beginning to end, and he had written all about it in a way that you would just marvel at really. Well, I, th I think it was Can the guy. I, oh, I just want, vis-a-vis yeah, uh, -vis that, that I want to say uh, so much thanks to Martin who did the filming yeah. and Adam because it is a very apt title. It is, you see what happens, it is, and then you see the music that emanated from that. And so it is, it's beautifully worked out and I really want to thank you both and so, Joanna. And Joanna, who was a wonderful editor, but she had to have the material to edit it. But uh, it was just, uh, I wanted to say that. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, but, not at all. That's, yeah. I think, a really perfect note to end on. I mean, I think, you know, I, I was struck the review of The Guardian, and The Guardian of this documentary said that the immediate thing she did when she went home mm. was to pull down her volume of, of Seamus Heaney that was nearest to her. And I, I, I think that's going to be the case for us all. I mean, it, it's a historic night for us in the IFI, and a really want to thank Suniva um, O'Flynn and director uh, Ross Keane for making this possible and um, to thank Adam Lowe for, um, for joining us but I think I know in fact that I speak for the audience that the generosity with which Mary, Catherine, uh, Christopher and Michael over these past six years 
have shared Seamus um, and your loss, but also his continuing presence with us has been remarkable and, and has uh, really just um, inspired us all. So I'll finish with the, uh, the good Irish phrase, Marig She in Arguina. Thanks, everyone. Thank